You can kick your fancy ales, you can take them by the flagon, but the only food for the brave and true comes from the green dragon. Two captured and tortured prisoners, a dwarf and a skin changer are almost without hope. Azog sentries patrol the heavily guarded and fortified ruins, but a patrol of Mirkwood elves have scouted the area. Will the elves be able to release the prisoners before Dol Guldur awakens? Find out now. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome. To a Green Dragon podcast. We have a scenario spotlight for you today, and if you're wondering what that scenario description was for, it's for a custom scenario that... One Jeremy at the table here has written for us. Also one Danny, who's also at the table. And Danny. I should probably introduce the people we have at the table today. That might be a good start. To my right, we have Jeremy. Hello. To my left, we have Danny. Hello. And at the far end of the table is Mason. Greetings. Thank you for having me. This is your first time on the cast today. So why don't you tell us a bit about yourself and how you got into the hobby? Okay, well, when I was in grade three, I had a friend down the street of my old house that started collecting the second wave of Lord of the Rings miniatures from the Two Towers, and he started showing me how it all worked, and then showed me the movie, and I got hooked, I guess, until about year six, and then I got into high school and sort of stopped for a few years. And then at the end of high school, I got back into it and started painting. And then it was perfect timing because the new Hobbit movie came out, which meant a whole new wave of releases. That's so it. How, how long have you been playing the game? I've been playing properly at tournaments for about two or three years now. But when I was a little kid back in primary school, I didn't know any of the main rules. All right, well, thank you for that, Mason. I suppose we should get into our scenario, which is called Escape from Dogledur, which features, I believe, a Thrain the Broken. It does. A bear called Bjorn. Yes. And a bunch of elves and some Gundabad orcs. Why don't we get Mason to describe that? He's got the list of the exact participants. Mason, could you give us the list of participants? Yes, I can do that. So on the good side, there's two Mirkwood Rangers who are captains. So two Mirkwood Ranger captains. 10 Mirkwood Rangers, Bayon, and Thrain the Broken. And then for the evil side, there's one Gundabad Orc Captain with a shield, six Gundabad Orcs with shields, six Gundabad Orcs with spear, who three of them can have a shield as well, two Batswarms, four Mirkwood Spiders, and six Felwags. That's a lot of really obscure participants. All themed. All themed, but you don't see the captains much because a tower is usually... Much preferred by players, and Batsons I haven't seen for a bit. The this dog sounds like a leading question. Yes, they are. I like to make sure that I include participants in my custom scenarios that we don't normally use. So the aim was to include Bayorn in both forms, man and bear, to include Thrain the Broken, because he's not in the current scenario that I'm aware of, and the Mirkwood Elf Captains as well, which I painted up and hadn't used, so I really wanted to use those. Yeah, well, it seems like a very good excuse to do that. What's the mission for an Escape from Dumbledore? I obviously think it's an escape of some description. Danny, would you like to throw us? What do you have to do in Escape from Dumbledore? Well, basically, the Mirkwood Rangers have to sneak into the tower prison where Beorn and Dwayne the Broken are being held, free them, and while not alerting the sentries, and then get them off the board. So there are some sentries on the board. Does that mean that part of the evil force is in reserve? Yes. Who Who's the participants again? Most of the Gondabad orcs, the spiders, bats, 
logs in the captain's common later. We'll get to that later, I think. How long does this uh, scenario usually take? Because with a Beyond and a... Well, with actually a fair amount of heroes, two captains, three, five heroes with stats, can take a while. How long are you looking at? It's a fairly quick scenario still. It takes about an hour because you like getting lots of repeats of a scenario in if you want. Yep. So we try to design it to be quite short. And while there is a lot of big stuff, it's quite a deadly scenario. So things going down quickly. I can yeah. definitely see here with bats, uh, Gundabats being high strength and a lot of elves on the table and dwarves on the table as well. The Gundabat orcs are definitely getting use out of their special rules and it also seems like with Merkwood spiders and bats you've got a lot of offense coming out from the evil side. So taking down a Bjorn, even in bear form, doesn't seem like it's that big of a stretch. Quick question to you guys. Have you had Bjorn die in the scenario? Yes. Did we? Which one was that? Was that um, the testing one? Yeah, the, the second testing one. The one where I actually got Bjorn out, but then he, I think you killed him. Oh, yes. There's also been one where I've managed to keep him out of bear form totally. Yeah. So that was an interesting one as well. But yeah, you can kill him. It, with the spiders especially, they've got a lot of attack there that if they win a combat, they can do some damage. And also the paralyze. If you manage to paralyze him, you've got enough things to kill him. Is it hard to pull off the paralyze though? Because doesn't the, uh, if, correct me if I'm wrong, the spiders come from the forest that are on the table. So you're sort of like rolling for them passively throughout the game. It's always hard to paralyze something with a Merkwood spider. But when it does work, it's really good. And unless you roll like Jeremy does, it... You can roll sixes and fives every now and then. <laughs> hey, I roll like I do a lot of the time. Okay, so Jeremy, obviously you uh, were one of the main riders for this scenario, and I'm assuming you've used some of the terrain that you've got. What's the layout for this scenario, and what sort of terrain features do you have on the board? I actually like boards of unusual size. I've started on a four foot by three foot board. It's made up of two two foot by three foot boards, which are my standard. Boards. So it's nice. It fits on my kitchen table or my lounge table very nicely with some room to spare. In the middle, I've got my Dol Guldor Tower Ruin, which is made out of Here Starts blocks. It's got a flat middle, but it's got jagged walls all around it, and it's raised up about uh, two inches. So it's got stairs coming into it, and it's quite a fortified ruin there, and that's where Bayon starts. Scattered around that is six smaller ruins, one of them which has Thrain in it, and then there's some rocks, and on the very edge of the board, there's some forests where the elves enter from, and they also generate the spiders because they're the spider-infested woods. So a lot of different types of terrain there. We've got woods, we've got ruins, and by the sound of it, some open areas as well, and lots of line of sight blockers, which is good to see. Playing through, how does the terrain, the models, interact with you? What have you guys found with the scenario? Was there any problems when you started to create the scenarios that you immediately found out when you first started playing them? Well, our aims originally started off as having Bayon in man form, that we got to fight with him in man form, and then fight with him in bear form. That was the main aim. So to do that, we set a rule up where inside the ruin, he couldn't turn into a bear. Only 25 mil base models can fit into that actual ruin there, which made force him to leave to turn into a bear, which is his best weapon, because when he's a man, he's pretty easy to wound. He's only got the low defense there. As a bear, very hard to wound. So we set it up so the elves have to come on past sentries, move in, rescue Bayon, and then he jumps out, turns into a bear, and runs off the board. But there were lots of issues throughout, which Danny can mention some of them. We tried quite a few things. Some worked, some didn't. And it's taken a while to evolve to the area it is now. Would you care to explain and 
add extra thoughts to that, Danny? Well, originally we had a lot more evil heroes. There was two Gundabad Orc captains and Azog. And quite frankly, my Mirkwood Rangers didn't even get to the door. Yeah. We just got smashed. The moment you mention Azog, I'm thinking, oh dear. Yeah, he made a mess of Aeon a few times. Uh-huh. Yeah, I remember that scenario out of the Desolation of Smile books. That was a tough ask for Beyond to take down just Azog and a couple of Hunter Orcs, but if you've got him with bats, spiders and larks, that sounds like a bit of a tall ask. So why did you also remove the second Gundabad Orc captain? I removed the second captain and Azog initially because I found that the good side with the elves used up all their might to get into the ruin. And once they got there, you were left alone with just Bayorn's might to get out. And if you had multiple heroes there, they had enough to be able to strike up comfortably, to call heroic moves to block off. And it was almost too hard for Bayorn to get out. So ideally, we want most of the time Bayorn to be able to get out and then fight his way towards the end. Whether he dies or not is a nice story, but he should be able to at least get out of the ruins most of the time. Having five to seven points of might on the evil side really made that almost impossible. So they have to have a very small amount. They've got the one captain who can strike up if he wants or who can call a heroic or a move, but it really means that they have to conserve their might and the elves are free to use their might to get into the ruin at the start of the game, which they really need to do to get past the sentries. Just starting to you, Mason, here. What did you find were really difficult parts of the scenario with the heroes? Because we talked about we toning down the evil side. Did you find the evil side still had enough tricks to be able to deal with the menace that is Bayon? Well, the Gundabad Orc captain, he is the last reinforcement to be allowed on the table. Okay. Meaning by the time Bayon's got the elves in there and let him loose, the Gundabad Orc captain's probably only just gone on the table. So he, with only having two might, you really have to use it to heroic combat or heroic march to stop the elves and Bayon getting off the table, I guess. That's about the only way you can really use mm. the captain efficiently. You mentioned the models coming on reinforcements. How do they come onto the board? We've made a few changes to the rules. One of them is the reinforcements rule. We get from our main building, Dol Guldur, we imagine that being the sentry house, the six wags, four of the Gundabad orcs, and the captain reside in that little building. I don't know why the wags and the orcs are in the same building, but anyway. You get D3 plus one of those once the alarm's been raised the turn after them. Now you can spend that D3 plus one models on either the models from the sentry house or two bat swarms that are at the top of the tower. So the choice is there, but the captain has to come on at the the last one. He's the last one to get out because he's not waking up till all his mates are gone. So he comes out last. Ideally, you want to get them out really quickly, block up some areas. We also made a couple other changes to the rules as well. We got rid of break tests for both sides because it's such a small amount of models, a lot of casualties. We thought there'd be nothing worse than having Thrain the Broken or Bayorn fail a courage test and then run away, losing the game when their aim is to run away. Yeah. Doesn't make a lot of sense. And the Jailers, I don't want to deal with Azog, so trying to stop Bayorn is probably a smarter option for there. So no break test there. Mentioned the Tower Ruins before about the rules there. We also have the Spider-Infested Woods, which we mentioned very briefly. Once Dol Guldur awakens, so the sentries are erased, the spiders can start appearing in the woods. We put a maximum of four because we think that's a reasonable amount to buy, but also to have on the board. Yeah. And so on a roll of a six, you generate a spider from the forest, which are really handy late game. Now, quick question. How many forests do you have on the board? Because it's a roll for each forest of spider infested rules. Woods, if my memory serves me correct, how many do you have? Um, I think we've got about six forests, which 
on average, you should get about one a turn. One spider, whether or not that actually occurs. That did happen in our game. We had, yeah, each forest rolled whatever, and then we finally got one six per turn. It was about that, I think. You usually get all the spiders on, and then towards the end of the game, when you have three spiders, you want to pick which wood you roll for first, because some of the woods are well and truly out of the way, and some are close. But yeah, three each short edge gives you a good chance of getting those spiders on. Yeah, obviously the rough numbers, you should, in theory, be able to get one on a turn. Obviously, it doesn't happen that way with this being a dice game. So I want to talk about some of our playthroughs that we did and how it evolved, Danny. So I think we'll take over from Travis as he's out injured at the moment, been hit by a microphone stand. We started off, we put the terrain together, we laid out a board that we liked the look of, and we're pretty happy with the board from the start, weren't we? Yep, and we're sort of restricted in what terrain we used by what you had at yeah. the time, which is quite a nice looking board. Yeah, we wanted to look really good and, and tell a story. We wanted the elves on either short edge, so they had to travel the furthest distance to get to the middle. And we wanted the small board, so the sentry rule, sometimes it, it's the old sentry rule where you roll a die, on a one the models can't move, on a six they move as normal, on a two, three, four, or five, the person with priority moves them that number of inches. We didn't want them to be running four moves away from the, the tower. We wanted it so when the alarm went off, they can run back in and help. So we made it the short board. We we're very happy with the board from the start. We had to change the models quite quickly. We had way too many on the evil side, I think, at first. Yep. And then, then it might have swung the other way, where there was... We, at one point, we tried it with a bit more on the, the good side, and that didn't work either. I can't remember trying that. It might have been with a different yeah. playtest group that I did that. But we decided on the five Mirkwood Elves each side plus the captain, which is really nice because it's a box of the Mirkwood Elves plus the blister of the captain. And then that was enough that a couple of the Elves would always die, but you'd most of the time get to that ruin. I thought a couple of the Elves would always survive. Generally, most of my Elves die. Yeah, they, <laughs> yeah, a few of them survived. We had one game against my friend Alan Zander where... They didn't actually get to Bayorn. I managed to kill off all the Mirkwood Elves nice and quickly. And this is the one with the full rules now. And they had two captains. And the two captains had to fight their way to Bayorn. And they just couldn't do it. The Orcs kept coming in. And eventually I managed to trap them and kill both the captains before they got in. Thrain almost got off in that game, but just missed out. Because he, he got to one move away from the edge. And then decided to be stubborn and said, no, I'm not moving. And then the bats went and ate him. So you do get extreme results with the sentry rules and yeah. with some of the rules in, in a game like this, but that's part of the fun. Mm. How does the game end in this scenario, just quickly as well? It usually ends when either both the prisoners have left the board or they're both dead. Okay. Everything else is pretty well irrelevant. Have you ever had a situation where neither prisoner has been freed, but all the Mirkwood Elves have been slain? I haven't had that. The, the game I described before came very close to it, but they managed to get thrown out. But it is possible, especially if you get some good rolls of the sentry, if Yorks get the presence of the elves nice and early. We'll share some tactics of how to avoid that very shortly, but mm. it can happen. And the nice thing about the scenario is if that does happen, it's probably only gone for 20 minutes, so you can restart again and have another go at it. Hmm. Uh, the last question I had is, how do you find the bat swarms fair in the scenario? Because they, they sit up and they come in, basically they get free reign of the board. They come in from the center of the board and they can go anywhere they want from there. How do you find that they interact with the scenario? Because I'm very interested to see that they are the only models in the scenario that aren't Hobbit range miniatures. They're from the old Necromancer source book. Well, I found that because they start in the top of the tower, they start where no one else can reach them. There's no like staircase up to the top. So on their first movement, they ignore all terrain. So they can move over everything anyway. 
and their special rule to half the fight values can mean that if you have them in a combat with the ranger captains, they'll be equal to every single orc on the table or less to the captains mm-hmm. and to wags too. And also to the Merkled Rangers, they are then losing all combats to everything on the table except the Bat Swarms themselves. So yeah. they work really well to team up with some other model in any fight, really. So they're probably the most valuable. You really want to make sure they team up with the Orcs because the combination of the Fight 3 or Fight 4 for the Orc Captain really make a difference against the Elves. The Elves are generally Fight 5, so they go down to Fight 2. The Bat Swarms often end up, even with their halving value being behind, if they're with the Spiders, which are Fight 2, or with themselves, they often end up with a draw or against a captain. The captain's still got higher fight. So the trick is to, to make sure they're against... In multiple combat. In a multiple combat with either the orc captain or the, the orcs. That gives you a chance. But they provide a really excellent roadblock where you put them in a combat and you can just guarantee they're not going to die. Yeah, and that's forwards. really important yeah. in this scenario, to have something that you know is going to be there next turn. So when Bayon comes charging through, you can stop him. One other quick question. Because they have the movement with the fly, they can basically ignore all terrain. Are they still allowed inside the Dogledor Tower Road? No, we made the special rule that only the 25 mil bases can fit in that. I assume it's because it's got so much rubble and passageways and that sort of stuff. But we kept them out on purpose because during one play testing, the two bats landed directly in front of Bayorn, made a wall, and you could not possibly get through them with the elves. Ah. They just bounced them off and then they got trapped. And trapping against orcs and a, and a bat swarm, not good. Yeah, I was sort of thinking the other extreme of Bjorn gets freed and then bat jumps down with an orc, traps Bjorn and kills him. Yeah, it's not how we wanted to play. We actually want him to, to get out most of the time and the bats yep. can almost guarantee a prevent if they're allowed in the ruin. Yeah. Do you find they block off too much outside the ruin? Because there's only two of them and there's three exits, I would find that they, they do a really good job in two out of the three areas. But because Bayon can have a choice where he leaves, they often end up blocking the wrong one. So they do block off a good area, but there's always one space where you can avoid them, and then they take a turn to get in, and then they have to pass a terror test, which if you've ever played Bat Swarms before, you know that that's the worst thing to do when you're trying to charge a big bear. Well, I guess you could set up in such a way for Bayon to have to charge the bats because of Bjorn's berserk rule while he's in his bear form. Actually, that's an interesting one. We slightly modified that rule as well. I like that rule, but we've made it so that he can either charge a model or move towards a board edge because we found playing that in the end phase, you can make him chase in circles and circles and circles the models over and over again. And it just seems really stupid that he's trying to escape and he ends up just running in circles around the tower, charging yeah. bat swarms or spiders. So we changed that one. We also changed his skin change rule, where it's automatic because he's so enraged about being imprisoned. As soon as he gets down the stairs to the bottom of the, the ruin, he turns into a bear, even as part of his move or part of a heroic combat. So it really means you're guaranteed to get him into a bear. We didn't want him to be trying to summon his rage, get down the stairs, fire up, and then try and get that 4+. plus. So we really wanted it to be, as soon as he's out, he's a bear, watch out. Yeah. Oh, quick question. Can he turn back into a human later once he's outside the ruins? Not in this scenario. Can you normally? You can. You can switch between bear and human at on the roll for the four plus. I was just curious if you allowed him to go back into human form afterwards. No, we, we put in this scenario that he stays in bear form until he leaves. Just really wanted to capture the idea that if he's angry, he's going to be in bear form and, and not particularly rational. So you've got two prisoners with Thrain the Broken and Bayorn who are hard to control. They don't benefit from, or Bayorn doesn't benefit from the moves of the elves once you get out. 
Thrain almost never acts in the way you want him to, and it becomes quite funny to see the elves trying to handle them and say, go that way, go that way, go that way, and they just don't listen. As to be expected from a crazy bear and a stubborn dwarf. Uh, one thing I realized we haven't talked about yet is victory conditions. What are the victory conditions? Uh, Mace, could you field this one for us? So the victory conditions for the good side is just to get Bayon and Thrain off. Yep. If you get one or the other, it's a draw, I believe. So it's a... It's a major win if you get both Thrain and Bayon off. Yep. It's a minor win if you get just Bayon off and not Thrain off. Yep. It's a draw if you get only Thrain off. Thrain could be a little bit easier to get off if he decides to behave, so we thought it's a nice draw condition. And then it's a loss for the good side no matter what if you don't get the prisoners off. So that's the win for the evil side. Sounds like it's a little bit in the... Oh, actually, I retract that statement now that I've thought about it a little bit more. Can you say your statement before you retract it? Yeah, I will choose to abstain from that. Okay, what you're saying is you think it's really easy to get Thrain off, is that correct? Yeah, and then I realized that all the victory condition hinges on Bjorn. Yes, you can get a draw if you get just Thrain off, but the chances of him behaving is reasonably low because he has to get a couple turns in a row where he passes his courage to get off. He's courage three, so it's... Reasonable chance, mm. but the bat swarms can hunt him down so easily. So the bat swarms and spiders often jump out of the woods and get him. So it's actually a bit of a bonus if you get him off. You could really try and get him off, but the elves have trouble escorting him because he doesn't listen to what they say. Mm. Have you ever had Thrain do the old snake eyes turning evil like Denethor has you? I personally haven't. Has anyone else seen him do that? No, I haven't seen that either. I've been waiting for it, but no... <laughs> I think it could be interesting at a critical moment as Bjorn and Thrain are about to get off the table and Thrain goes, nah, turns around, turns evil, then charges Bjorn and stops him from getting off the table, allowing the evil side to catch up or something like that. I passed the courage test with doubles once, but it was when he wasn't in combat, so that was a bit of a pain (laughs) because it was a bit disappointing. I was ready to take on a spider and knock it down and no no spiders around. Ah, what a shame. suppose we get to some thoughts about the scenarios. We'll start with you, Jeremy, and then we'll move to Danny and Mason. Okay, good to start with me because I'm a little bit biased. I think it's it's exactly the kind of scenario I like because it's got multiple stages. It's interesting the whole way through. There's no real dead time in it, and that's how I design it. Of course, I'm going to give it a thumbs up because I wrote it, but I think it does its job to highlight some characters that aren't brought out. It's on a small board, which I really like. It's playable in about an hour, which I think is a really good time for a scenario. And hopefully some people can try it and let me know what they think about it. Yeah, I'm definitely uh, looking forward to having a game later on today. I think scenario writing is a very difficult skill to master, especially getting the balancing aspect of it right, having written a few tournament scenarios and some other scenarios myself. So I'd be interested to have a look at that scenario a bit later on today. Danny? Yeah, I'll give it a thumbs up because... um. It, there's lots to do for both sides. Some scenarios you have very little that you can do, say, on, say, the evil side doesn't have much to do in the first Desolation of Smug one where you use spiders that move randomly the whole game or something. And it, this scenario, you do have plenty of options, and that's a good thing. And, yeah, quite good, and you have, you have to make good choices in it about what you want to do with your man. Now, I'm a bit nervous because the next one is the only unbiased view here, and I haven't actually heard his view yet. Mason? Yeah, I would also say it's a thumbs up. Yes. You have more than one option. You usually have to either defend or attack, whereas if you're playing evil, you can go out and meet the elves and stop them getting near the tower, or you can actually use the tower as a defense, use the doorways as defending the almost, barrier. Yeah, as almost like trapping the elves. Let the elves get in mm. and then trap them. Yeah trying to get out and the participants also 
well thought because you can just buy a box of 10 Merkled Rangers, buy a blister pack of two captains, and then you've got all the participants, and then you just need Bayon and Thrain, who are easy to buy as well. So they're all sort of thought out as if anyone can buy them without having to... Funny about that. It is, and I always <laughs> aim to make sure that we can play a scenario for under about a thousand Australian dollars. It's always really nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you guys. I'll be looking forward to getting my own thoughts on the scenario once I give it. Yeah, a let's go play of... it now. Let's go. All right, all right, all right. Wrap it up. Right. Let's go. Well, let's wrap this up so I can go roll some dice. Thank you, everyone, for joining me for this scenario spotlight. You're Green, most welcome, Travis. Green Dragon, yep. and as always, traps and win games. Thank you for listening to the Green Dragon podcast. Please be advised that the Green Dragon podcast is not suitable for children, the elderly, pregnant women, those with a history of heart conditions, or anyone expecting to receive worthwhile advice. You can contact us on the Green Dragon Podcasts at gmail.com. Yes, it has an S at the end. Or our Facebook page, The Green Dragon Podcast. We do not claim ownership of any works based on J.R.R. Tolkien, New Line Cinema, Warner Brothers, or Games Workshop. This podcast is purely for entertainment. The thoughts, as rare as they are, are solely that of our hosts and guests. Farewell, listener, until we meet again.